Recorded live. Brian, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. I don't know what's going on. We're in the screen room, but the show has started. It says it has 19 minutes left, but I don't believe that because I went in and it's not set to be done. I'm going to put you live, though, here, and just, just tell me when you're ready. I'll put you to live, and we can go live. Oh, so it's not started yet? It, it says that it has started. I, I called in. And it's because when I pulled it up, it said in show. I said, no, I don't want to end show. Let me call in real quick. Uh, show is not set on air for 30 or 25 minutes, but it is live right now. Oh, so it's not been on long. Okay. Well, let's go. Welcome to the show, everyone. This is the Rights of the Few, and we love when we get our glitches in the show. That's why we like live. This is Brian Robertson, and I have 
James with me on the show. Would you like to say hi, James? So, like I said, glitches. <laughs> so, last week we were supposed to get on, but James had an emergency, and he explained it to me, and that is forgivable. It was a major incident. We'll just leave it at that. And sometimes those things do happen. So we have to deal with that. But we were going to talk about void judgments. And what void judgments are. They are not something that is talked about in the legal industry, it is a dirty little secret that the courts don't even want you to know about that, know about, because if you knew what they were, you would probably, probably be right pissed off to know how you're getting screwed over. Now, and one of the Biggest places that you get screwed over at is a default judgment. A default judgment is, we'll say, debt collectors love getting default judgments. You. You you have somebody call you and threaten to, we're going to take you to court because you owe this debt. And if you don't work out some kind of payment arrangement with us, that we're going to sue. And most people are scared to death because, you know, we are supposed to have so many rights in this country. But But if you don't know what your rights are, you have none. So, and that's really the premise of this show, is what are your rights? What Um, see, you have due process rights. You have, well, let's stick with due process rights, okay? Go back to the debt collector. The debt collector says, hey, you, you make a payment arrangement with us on some debt that honestly, in a lot of cases, you're not even legally liable to pay to them. You did not go into contract with them. But that's where you have to read the fine print of the place that you did go into contract with. One of the biggest ones is hospital bills. Because everybody goes to the doctor. 
So, get a hospital bill. You haven't paid it. Hospitals, general rule of thumb, is they don't even give you time to pay it. They hold it for 30 days. If it ain't paid in full, they send it to a debt collector. Now, when you went in there and you signed your John or Jane Hancock on their documents, did it have anything in there about whether or not after 30 days it would be transferred to a debt collector and you'd be agreeing that that was fine? Well, if it did say that, then yeah, then the debt collector, you have to deal with the debt collector. If it didn't say anything like that, because nobody reads anything anymore, then you're not legally obligated to pay the debt collector. And see, there are people out there that's figuring this stuff out. So guess what? They put that into the process. So, so one of those things, like I said, is avoid judgment. You get back to the story of the debt collector. Debt collector says, "I'm gonna, we're gonna take you to court," but you never hear anything until So I'm assuming we're having glitches. I don't know if you can hear me or not. Because my co-host is saying that he can't. So I'm going to hang up and call back in. So, now, am I live? We should be good. I had the normal, typical beep that let me know I was live. So, I'm hoping James can hear me. But we can't hear him, so we don't know if he's there I or am. Not. There you are. Finally, finally, finally. I had to call in from a different device. It, just, it was not working out well for me. Yeah, I know, and I, we're trying to figure all this stuff out. So you could, could you not hear nothing I was saying a minute ago? 
Oh, no. Could you hear anything I was saying? No, I couldn't hear nothing you were saying. So I don't know if anybody heard the beginning of the show, but this is like I said. I love glitches. It shows this is a real show, not some scripted, orchestrated thing. Yeah, and I do believe that they heard you, Brian. I swear I do, because I believe the issue was on my end. I called in uh, when we were speaking in the screen room. Everything was working fine. When I switched over to go live, I left you live, but I couldn't hear you. So I went on a 15-minute spiel about Standing Rock, thinking that uh, the issue was on your end. (laughs) (laughs) No, I actually bought me a new headset today. So I should be clear. Yeah, Blue Parrot is one of the best. And this is not an advertisement per se because I'm not getting paid by VXI Corporation to say this. It's just ever since they came out with the very first headset, I've used it and fell in love. Because driving a truck for a living, one of the worst things you can have is a cheap headset because it picks up all the background noise. So they just came out with a brand new one, and it's comfortable. 30. It's the best one they've made so far. It's $150, though. So, luckily, that works. So, now, since I don't know if anybody heard me, we were, I know James didn't hear me. We were talking, we were, last week we were going to talk about void judgments. Well, James had an emergency and he told me about that, and that's fine, so we didn't do no show. Which, hey, I can do other things. So how much time do we have tonight, by the way? Oh, we're rolling. Uh, as far as I know, as far as I know, we have three hours if we want. Uh, three we, hours. She'll go there. Ooh, three hours. Can you tolerate me talking for that long? Oh, I, I can listen to you talk for, for days. Um, it's not uh it's not me. I believe that um we should get as much truth into these into this time as we can. Yeah. As a matter of fact, in the description in the description, just so everybody knows, because a lot of people listen on like iTunes and other other places where this is being broadcast and they don't get to see a lot of what's going on. Um, I put on the description that every week we give you a little piece of truth that not only can you look it up for yourself and see with your own eyes, but you can come to your own conclusion about such. Uh, every well, week we, we bring them that they, can, that they can actually tangibly go and find and touch and read for themselves. And that's a lot of, a lot of these networks, uh, they're spewing what they call truth with no backing whatsoever. Now, I will have to give a disclaimer on looking up everything I say. It's not that simple. Okay? And the reason why I say it's not that simple is back to me driving a truck. I can't at any given time just take off and go to a law library and look the stuff up. So the stuff I talk about If you're going to go look it up, you're going to have to go to your local law library. If you go to a lot of the publicly funded colleges, 
not your private colleges, your private colleges, if they say, hey, nope, we are not going to give you that information, well, you automatically know they're trying to hide something from you. But hey, so sounds like you're beating on a drum. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I've still got uh, a, a thousand things going off around me. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm, I'm still getting everything in order. But with the show kicking itself on, I'm not gonna, not going to lie like I had all my stuff ready to go yet. I was, a matter of fact, I was actually talking to uh, Melissa Mottweiler uh, when I realized that the show was on. And I was like, oh, my goodness, please, I got to go. Um, as a matter of fact, she may call in later tonight. She is assisting me uh, with the program directing. Um, as you know, Brian, you know, this is a, a, a 20-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week job. And when you try to work or like you're doing driving trucks, working, it's, it's hard to get everything together. So when um, graciously got someone who knew what they were doing and got them to get in touch with me, and I believe that it's going to make things around here a lot easier. Well, and I will be honest. They got James and the person they just got to help James. Because me, I can talk. I'm good at talking. Doing what James does, forget it. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people laugh and say, "Oh man, it's not. Uh, it, it, it's it's online radio. How hard could it be?" Oh, my goodness, you have no idea. It is absolutely insane uh, keeping up with everybody and everything and making sure that, you know, this show is different from that show and that everybody is, is, is meshing and, and it, goodness gracious. I, I'm surprised I've lasted as long as I did by myself. Well, you just be thankful I ain't trying to do a cooking show because it's hard to do a cooking show on the radio. Oh, yeah. Mel, this is I know. So, now, to look my stuff up, I actually don't hesitate. Being a truck driver, I I call Wake Forest University. Now, they're a pretty big-name school. They're in the the, uh, the NCAA. I mean, they got football, basketball, all that stuff. I call their law library and say, hey, I'm I'm trying to find this, this piece of information would you mind helping me because it's not in my Westlaw account? Now, if you now, no offense, I'm not saying this to brag. It's just I'm I'm transparent. I'm I'm just the average guy. I've got caught up in my own legal situations, so I started studying law, and I thought like everybody else out there. What do we do when we study law? We go get statutes and codes and start reading all that and thinking that's law because that's what we've been told. And then we start reading court cases to see what the courts say about those statutes and codes and rules and regulations, thinking that we're studying law. But you're not. Um Law is different. We've been told that statutes, codes, rules, and regulations, when it goes, we'll say, 
at your state legislature or your congressman introduces a bill in the House, and if it passes the House and it goes before the governor or the president, then they sign it and it becomes law. That's not true. That's why it's not called law. It's called statutes, codes, rules, and regulations. Law, it doesn't, yeah, it does not become law until somebody either fights it, in some case, and it goes before a court, and the court rules on it and applies it to the Constitution. One thing that taught me this, James, you remember back the deal with the Supreme Court and homosexual gay marriage. Everybody yeah, oh yeah, was yeah. everybody was freaking out because they were saying what? They can't do that. They're legislating from the bench. I'll be honest, I fell into right. that trap. I fell into that trap hook, line and sinker. I did. They're legislating from the bench. That's not how law made. Now, so that wasn't that long ago, right? Oh, absolutely right. That was this year, not what, five or six months? No, I think that was early this year. It wasn't long after that. Well, it was before that I started learning about what's called the common law. Now, you're going to have a lot of people. I just saw an article the other day about some, I don't know what to call this it, this person. But the title was called Sovereign Citizen. As in Sovereign Citizen. It was actually what? I mean, that's. June uh, 26th of 2015. Okay. Yeah, I knew it was, I'm pretty sure it was last year. So, they said this person was arrested, you know, this sovereign citizen guy was arrested, right? Now, we've heard of, We've heard about the sovereign citizen movement. I'll tell you now from the stuff I've learned, if someone says they're a sovereign citizen, they're an idiot. You're either sovereign or a citizen. You're not both. You're listening to my show long enough. Yeah. Do what, James? I said you and I have had many conversations about such uh, matters. Yes. You listen to my show long enough, you will figure out who you are. You're in America, you are a dual citizen and don't know it. Technically, you're actually more than a dual citizen. You, But if you ascribe to being a U.S. citizen, see, this is the good thing about being a man or a woman. Now, when I use the man, being a man, generally, you have to pay attention to the context of how I'm framing it. This is not saying it's not applying to women, too. It's mankind. Okay. Go back to the Declaration of Independence. The Declaration of Independence says all men are created equal with with certain unalienable rights given to us by our Creator. Now, if it's all men are created equal with these rights given to us by God, 
who are they talking about? They're talking about mankind, not talking about man in general. Because God created man and woman, right? But see, people twist it. That's why the liberals now are pushing this whole ideology of the Constitution is sexist. No, it's not. Without it, you still have those rights. It's just a piece of paper. It's putting on paper that, hey, there is, this is evidence that there is a law. You know what hit me one day, James, speaking about law? How many times do you hear people say, but I can't understand that stuff? It's hard to understand. Oh, oh absolutely. The le- by, by design, in my opinion, the legal jargon, um, it's insane. Actually, no, it's not. You remember when we had our, done our last show two weeks ago, and I talked about the the legal the legal uh, doctrine called void for vagueness that that every oh. law has to be written to where you can understand it. If not, it's unconstitutional and unenforceable. Right, right. right. It's not that you can't understand it. It's that the average man and woman doesn't want to take the time to understand it. I actually have it going two other ways. One, part of the reason I believe, the number one reason why men and women say, but I can't understand it, is because when they read it, they have their understanding. Okay, I see what this says. But then the lawyer gets up in court and says something totally different, so they just say, well, then I must not understand it, because why? He went to school. He he got his law degree, and he's telling us what it says, so my understanding must not be right. So, yeah, I can't understand it. I think that's a good portion of it. The other side of that coin is more a philosophical term is this is where I go to my Christian side. The reason why people can't understand the law is because they don't understand the lawgiver. Does man give laws? No. Laws are natural. Laws are built into nature. They were given to us by God. What I just told you about the Declaration of Independence, who gave us those rights, those rights are law. The reason why people don't understand the law is because they don't understand the lawgiver. Well, and I agree with you in an aspect of that the people don't take the time to figure out what it says. But I still believe that it's by And, I mean, I say this because if things were written in layman's terms, uh, it'd be a lot easier to understand. Now, would it be um, – what, what's the uh, – uh, I'm trying to figure out the term. Let's just, let's just break it down to layman's terms. Is it accessible for everybody to find? Yes. Everybody take the time? No. But if they did it in a way that everyone could understand that they didn't need the the attorney to break it down for them, 
there'd be no need for attorneys. There would be a need for for judges. There would be, well, not judges, but for juries and things of this nature. Mm-hmm. If you understood that you were breaking the when you were doing that, maybe you wouldn't have done it. Or maybe you broke a statute, which is unconstitutional. Uh, actually, anyway. Actually, no. The whole thing with attorneys is more devious than you realize. You don't need an attorney. So that void for vagueness doctrine is bigger than you think. One, if you're speaking for yourself, the judge has to honor your understanding of the law. If you have representation, your understanding goes out the window. It's now the attorney's understanding. Now you have accepted the outcome of that court case because you have someone represent you and put their understanding by contract to what the law says. Why do you think you go into court, they don't want you speaking for yourself? Because then you get to ascribe what you believe right and wrong. So you have a First Amendment. What is First Amendment about? It is about beliefs. Beliefs are powerful. No, it's not. It's about freedom of religion. So, I just got a message. We have a caller by the name of Melissa. Good evening. Well, good evening to you. How's everybody tonight? I'm doing well, thank you. Just thought I'd pop in and see how everything was going. Oh, doing all right. How are you? I'm in the middle of cooking dinner, but multitasking at the same time. Um, So what do we got going on here tonight? Oh, we are talking about, well, I was going to be talking about void judgments, but then we got into okay. this other discussion of what is law. Fun stuff. Not as difficult as people make it sound. No, actually it's not. Well, now, how much have you heard of what I said or you just like missed most of it and just like called in a second ago I called in about two minutes ago and the last thing I heard was something about beliefs and freedom of religion okay beliefs are a very powerful thing what you believe to be true is true to you now I'm not saying that I'm one of those people that doesn't believe in absolute truth. No, truth is not relative when it comes to absolute truth. As in, murder is murder no matter what you call it. Uh, There's no explanation for it. You just do it. Well, but what do you believe is the law? Well, me, I believe the law it was supposed to be was supposed to be set up to protect individuals from any kind of harm. 
mm-hmm. especially for those from those that cause harm. And now it also depends on how you see it because you could also get a disbelief in it because of, say, depending on where you live or how it's perceived by, you know, say the person who did the crime or persons who were wronged by, like, judges or anything like that. And actually, before you tell, I wanted to to tell you what most people uh, believe law is. Um, Mm -hmm. Most people believe whatever the collective set, and as long as everyone agrees, whatever the collective agrees upon is what law is. Makes sense, yes. Well, Brian, tell us. Now, you made a statement that I'm going to uh, disagree with you on. Okay. You said the law is supposed to protect us, right? It's supposed to, yes. No, it's not. From those who have done it, the way I see it, though, like, okay, how, how do you figure that it's not supposed to be set up to protect us? Because the law does not protect us. The law is to tell you the difference from right and wrong. It's up to the individual to follow that. That's the reason government was instituted, because government is supposed to protect our rights. They do not, because now they have become lawless. Law isn't there. Right, I'll agree with you on that. Okay. <clears throat> now, the Bible said something that didn't hit me until a couple, about two years ago. That God instituted government, you know, to punish the wicked, right? to punish the wrongdoer. And everybody says, yes, as a Christian nation, the government's there to punish the murderer, punish the rapist, punish the person that does, that breaks laws, right? I got to thinking about something because I've been studying law now for about four and a half years. I said, no, government is not just to punish those people. Government is also to punish a nation that no longer follows the lawgiver. See, right before you called in, I said the reason why people say they can't understand the law, it is my belief, they can't understand the law because they don't understand the lawgiver. Right. Okay. Man has become the lawgiver, so in return, man has become God. Because who is government? Man. Mankind. Uh Uh-huh. It's also a reflection of the masses. If the masses are evil, guess what? So is government. Wow. You know, that is an awesome way to see it because I've never seen it that way before. You learn something new every day. Yep. Government is just a bunch of people with the same passions as you, same desires as you. They go to work every day. Now, are there some people in our country that are evil? Yes. 
Not trying to make it political, but I believe Hillary is one of those people that is evil. <laughs> the elite that she runs with, George Soros, is evil. There are some people that I believe that on. I just threw out a couple of examples. I mean, look at Hitler. Can you not say Hitler was evil? Oh, he was, and I do see your point about Hillary, too, because the same stuff that you said, I've actually seen going around about Soros and Hillary and what she's been running with and what she has done. Yes, but as evil as Hitler was, the only reason Hitler could do what he did was because the masses remained oblivious to it by choice. Kind of like some of us now. Do what? Kind of like some of us do now. That is correct. See, Hitler, now, I tell people this all the time. What's the difference between legal and lawful? I know where this is going. Huh. Please uh, enlighten me on this one, because honestly, I've never knew there was a big difference between it. Hitler did that which was legal, but was it lawful? No. Hitler didn't break one law. What he did is he made everything happen. It's legal now to have a gun. It's legal now to do this. It's legal now to round people up who aren't like and like you said, by by choice, all of all of Germany just thought that uh, this is the way things were going for everyone. Uh, actually, actually, my wife's family was in Germany a lot. They know a lot of the history because my wife was born in Germany because her you know her father being Air Force, he was stationed over there. And listening to people like Robbie Zacharias that talks about that sometimes and other people, just I'm one of those people that's researched a lot of stuff. You would be, you're probably thinking, you're a truck driver. How do you have time? Trust me, I have time. When you're down, you have to have something to read. Actually, on the weekends, I do my show. I do more learning during the week when I'm driving. I listen to podcasts. The last few months, though, I've listened to more music than I have in the last four and a half years. Because uh, I just basically shut it all off. Concentrate on the show, concentrate on law. And I take break with music. But I would listen to podcasts, listen to audio books, not just run-of-the-mill books. I mean, something that's going to challenge you. And then I would take a break from it and digest what I learned. But the people of Germany didn't even really as a majority, know that the death camps were going on. When Hitler beat after the war, the Allies took the people and marched them through Auschwitz to see what was going on, and a good majority of the people cried because they didn't know. How could you not know? All the signs were there. It's the same way in this country. All the signs are there. The media doesn't, the mainstream media doesn't tell you about it. People are screaming from the rooftops. Look, the army is 
now this was about five years ago, the Army put out that was leaked about re-education centers. They're looking for specialists to put to, that they train how to put people in re-education centers, the Soviet term. You see, that right there should be a big red flag. Wait a minute here. Why do you need re-education centers? Who are they for? What about internment right. camps? The internment camps, which we, the layman's term would be FEMA camps. Do FEMA camps exist legally? No, they don't because the term's never used. It's just the common vernacular is called FEMA camps. Oh, yes. So all the stuff is there, but see, the masses sit back and say, oh, no, it don't exist. That's a conspiracy theory. Well, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm a conspiracy realist. See, you're, you've not really called into my show much. Plus, I took about a no. four-month break, four break doing it. I'll say it. You'll get tired of hearing me say it. Language is important. I, when people tell me, well, that's a conspiracy theory, I said, okay, let's look at those two words because you obviously don't know what they mean. What does conspiracy mean? It means to conspire. Me and you are going to go do a job. We are conspiring on that job. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. All we're doing is putting a theory on who the conspirators were on what they were doing. It is completely logical. Yes, it is. Now, let's get back on subject. (laughs) Now, the whole thing with law is people believe statutes, codes, rules, and regulations are law because, you know, like I said earlier, uh, the governor, you know, the legislature of your prospective state introduces a bill, they pass it, it goes to the governor, the governor signs it, and they, he signs it into law. That's what we were taught in school. That does not make it law. That makes it no, statutes, it does not. rules. No, that makes it statutes, codes, rules, and regulations. And you tell an attorney this, and they just freak out. Well, that's the law. That's what I learned in school. So what? Is it law? No, it's legal. Doesn't make it law. It doesn't become law until it goes before a court, and the court rules on the applicability of it according to what they say the law is, which is the Constitution of the United States or the Constitution of the prospective state. Then they'll say, okay, this is how it applies. This will make it constitutional. That ruling is called the holding of the case. That is what becomes law. So, what? My husband came home. That's what you're hearing. (laughs) That's what you will hear. It's him just smarting off behind me. Oh, no big deal. I'm married, I understand. <laughs> so, so that is when you if you really if you really want to see what the law is, okay, you gotta go to a law library. Right. You are eating my syrup. No, yeah. 
Now, if you want to see what the law actually is, you've got to go to a law library. Not read the statutes and codes because that's not law. You've got to look for the annotated statutes or codes. Every state, if they use statutes, then you've got to go look for the annotated statutes. North Carolina uses statutes. So you would go to the North Carolina and go to the law library and say, I would like to see the annotated statutes. The annotations are the court rulings. Now, see, I have a Westlaw account. Now, I don't have a nationwide account. I can't afford $700 a month. But if you get the annotated statutes and then you go look up the perspective or code, if your state uses codes, then you would go get the annotated codes of New York. We'll put that out there. Because New York uses codes. The United States uses codes. U.S. Code, Title 18, Section whatever. So you would find the annotated section, and they will tell you the applicability of that code. This is how it's used. This is how it applies. This is what you need for it to prove it. This is the defenses against it. But it the laws are laid out. Now, Technically speaking, and I'm researching this because I remember reading it, there was a big fight in the early years of our country that the laws were supposed to be published to where the average man and woman had access to it. They don't do that no more. At least they do if you if you try to fight it and say they don't, they're gonna say, Yeah, we do. At your law library. Every court in the country has a law library. They have Westlaw or LexisNexis right there in the courtroom for you to go access it. Or even inmates in prisons has that access to law libraries. So it's not like it's not there. The problem is the people don't go know where to look. So my goal here is to teach people how to read. It's not my place to tell you what to think. It's not my place to tell you what to believe. It's your job to put your understanding on the table. Because when you go to court, it's going to be your understanding that matters, not mine. You get up there and you tell the judge, well, such and such person for this radio show told me that this is what it means. He's going to laugh at you. He's going to know, he's going to know right then. You don't know nothing. And he's going to run all over you. But if you go in there with your documents and your paperwork like I did in Virginia, I got a ticket for not having a mud flap on my trailer. And everybody that drives a truck has told me since then, but mud flaps are a requirement. No, they're not. They're not a requirement. The regulations, according to FMCSA, is only says if it comes from the manufacturer then here's the location, here's the specifications. Here's where you put it and all this, that, and the other. But is it a requirement? No. So I took my knowledge in the court, and I beat the case. Got it dismissed without payment of costs. 
And the judge actually in court disagreed with me on a lot of what I was saying in court. Out of court, he met me at my truck, shook my hand. Okay. Well, Melissa, bye. Enjoy your show. All right. Yes, you, thank you, you gentlemen. Leaving? It was great. I am. I have another show that I have to listen in on because I got two new hosts tonight, and yeah. I've got to listen in on them and make sure they're okay. That neither well, one of them actually. Well, Melissa, you you be sure and come back, okay? I uh, will. My show, my show normally, it's mine and James's. I like having James there, even when he's quiet. <laughs> Um, normally we try to do it because he likes it done early, between 6 and 8. Tonight he had it set up from 7 to 9. No big deal. But it's nope. 3 out of 4 Sundays because even i got to take a break. Right. Everybody does. And honestly, this was my learning experience with James tonight, and I really appreciate that. Well, Well, what I do try to stay on topic with is, is when it comes to understanding what is law. I will get on to, which I'm going to here shortly, I'm going to get on a legal doctrine called void judgment. And that's and I'm going to explain what that is, how it applies, and I'm going to read directly okay. from Westlaw telling what a void judgment is. A void judgment has no authority whatsoever. And if you ever get one from court, then you'll start to learn how to deal with it. Absolutely. So, so, well, you enjoy your show that you have to step in on and come back anytime. All right. I will. Thank you again, gentlemen. I will try and pop back in before you're done. Okay. Have a good night. You too, ma'am. Thank you. So, James, are you there? Or do you have your end muted? I am with you, brother. I'm sorry. I had to screen a caller. Oh, you are fine. Um, so, now, we had that little hiatus, and I'm warmed up now. As you could tell oh, from yes, the beginning, so now I'm warmed up. So, let's get on that subject. Do you have any questions yourself about avoid judgment? Uh, my my major question is: Has this ever been upheld in a court of law? Absolutely. Well, from what we discussed earlier in the show, then that makes it law, correct? It has been upheld numerous times. Now, are you familiar with a book called, a set of books called Corpus Juris Secundum? Did I lose you, Brian? No. No, I'm here. Can you hear me? I wonder. 
could be my my uh on my end again. Let me see. And we're going to let James figure this out, then I'm going to ask him that question again where he probably can hear me. Because it's going to surprise people when I read this directly from this book. So you worked out? Now. Void judgments. Now, let's see. And by the way, James, did I lose you? I think we lost James, and I was really wanting to hear what his question, of, what his uh, if he had heard of that book. But if you've never heard of Corpus Juris Secundum, now this is a law book, as in, in my opinion, a law book gives it in simple terms of what the law says or what the law is. 
So the corpus juris secundum is one of those. And I just got a message. He did drop. He's having to call back in. So if everybody's wondering what's happened that is listening. Okay, Brian, are you there? Now, yes, now you're back. So now, I, you sound so much yeah. clearer now. <clears throat> so have you ever heard, now, now the question I asked you before you had technical difficulties was, have you ever heard of a set of books called Corpus Juris Secundum? No, sir, I have not. Corpus Juris Secundum you can tell that's Latin, okay? That's, to, in my professional, if you want to call it that opinion, is that is a law book. In other words, it tells you, if you look up a term, I just looked up void judgments. I'm on Westlaw. It's going to tell you the applicability of terms and law. Now, when I say laws, y'all have been hearing me all this time say it's not statutes and codes. So you're not going to go and look up a certain statute. No, but you say you want to look up murder. Then you go to Corpus Juris Secundum. It's going to tell you what is the actual law that basically what is murder. Not according to some statute, not according to some code. It's going to tell you according to court rulings, okay? Now, you got your email up, right? Wait a minute. Oh, yes, Let's sir. do this. Let's do this. Dropbox. Uh, oh, yeah. Layout limits. Actually... I guess it's not going to let me do the content to append. So I'm going to do it. It's a send to Dropbox. Error in sending. Okay. Then, since I can't do that, let's do my email. Uh, I just got a text. Uh, do me a favor. You see Keeper on there, right? Oh, yes, sir. Bring him on. Well, hello there. Hey, Keeper. You are live, good sir. <laughs> you know, I'm listening to stuff, you know, and... and you have so now, much information. I, I actually read something, and Brian, I want to ask you. 
how often do you read about this stuff, this law that you're looking into? How often? I mean, give me, a, give me a, like kind of a average day-to-day amount of time that you spend looking into this stuff. I, well, Keith, everybody, let me tell you, Keeper has known me for a while, okay? So Keeper knows what I do for a living. I have yet to be able to get close enough to his house to meet him yet. We almost did one time when I was at the pilot one weekend, but he had something come up. I spend one or two weekends a month doing it. And you do that all all weekend, right? Looking this stuff up. Yeah. All right, now, now, all right. How many hours are in a weekend? I mean, just everybody put that put that now, figure now, in your mind. That far. The, the, well, I, I, this is this is going to blow people's minds. Okay. No, let me now now because he knows. I know what he's getting at because he knows what I do for a living. Okay. I'm a truck driver. I'm going to briefly explain the regulations in trucking. <laughs> in in any given day, hours permitting, I have from the time I start my electronic logbook, and yes, I have electronic logbooks. Not everybody does it. Some people run loose leaf. I miss those days. Um, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, because then my logbook had plenty of hours. <laughs> convoy, brother. Convoy. I mean, let's go check out That's the movie. That's right. You know, but no, it, from the time I start my day to the time I finish, I have 14 hours. Okay, that is not 14 hours driving. That is 14 hours between driving on and on duty time working, or and your break time from the time you stop. You have 14 hours. Okay, now that at the end of my day I ain't doing nothing. I'm beat. But now that is. But then within an eight-day period, you have 70 hours that you can work. My normal routine is I start my clock on a Monday morning, and I haul my hind in all week long working (laughs) and shut down on Saturday evenings. Now, this is probably going to surprise even keeper, okay? Because he probably don't Dude, realize you how don't have little been surprised I in a long time. You, I, I haven't been surprised in a long time. Come on, come on. Throw me some credit. Now, I'm going to give you some credit. Don't worry. This one is probably <laughs> going to surprise even you, though, okay? When I shut down on a Saturday evening, I don't do anything. I get up Sunday refreshed, and I spend six hours, maybe eight hours on a Sunday reading. So you and I do that once, once or twice a month. Now get to your point. What? Thank you. Uh huh. So gracious host. Um, it has been it has been uh, scientifically proven. Uh, it has been documented. I'm not sure how many different times. 
Um, and this is what I want. And obviously, Brian felt he needed to, you know, give some kind of validation to what he does and why he does what he does the way he does. And I'm cool with that. And I'm sure that your listeners are going to be completely cool with that as well. If you spend one to two hours a day reading about any particular interest that you have, and you spend that time on that topic. Say, for instance, you are dedicated to learning about Dakota Access Pipeline, and you spend one hour reading everything that you can find about whether it is the Dakota Access Pipeline, the water protectors, or uh, the new camp, or having to be uh, supposedly kicked off by the Army Corps of Engineers of the campsite that you're currently at, which I have a feeling they're going to put a big old middle finger in the air towards the Dakota Access Pipeline in regards to that and the Army Corps of Engineers. Um, side note, if you spend that kind of time learning about whatever it is that you choose to learn about in a few short years, and I say a few short years because it sounds like a long time, but it's really not. In eight to ten years, you are going to have amassed so much knowledge that you can teach a class as a professor. You are so well-versed in the knowledge that you have and what you have learned about. And I want people to do that. And I know that Brian does too. Learn about this stuff. Don't just take the word for it that we're talking about. And, and you will have that much knowledge. LaVoy Finnecum read every single day. The man was so knowledgeable, and they killed him for his knowledge. The same kind of thing is happening in North Dakota right now. These people have the knowledge. They have the basis of stuff. So does Brian in his, in, in, in his legal fight. And he is not sitting there trying to just throw this stuff at you so that you, you know, take it verbatim. He wants you to learn. He's always been that way. Every time I've talked to him, that's what he wants you to do. Don't take his word for it. Learn from it. Take, follow the lead. Go learn for yourself. Uh, and if I'm mistaken, you know, shoot me right now. I, I don't think you know, I am. You know, this is why you know what Bobby you do this, you, do this stuff, man. You, you know what Bobby told me one day, Keeper. Hmm. We we he said he thinks he thought I was crazy on a lot of stuff I was saying, and then later on I'd show him and he'd find out I was right, and he said he always hates it when I do that. <laughs> yeah. You know, because it's something that he didn't know. And people are afraid of new knowledge because it challenges their perspective, their point of view, their understanding. We don't let – that is the whole thing behind the, the DNC and in a certain regard, the, the RNC. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. they don't want you to know. They hide this stuff behind legal jargon all the time because they get it. They went to law school. They understand it. But, it's not know, legal jargon, though. Well, it is to them. And when we look at this stuff and we see the wherefores and why there's and all of these big, huge words, they don't seem to make a whole lot of sense. We put too much trust in our attorney and don't learn for ourselves. And you know what and the Bible said, don't you? You know that. Well, you know what the Bible said, don't you? I was talking to someone, just an Amish guy the other day. Really great Amish guy. I said, you know, God 
we got on similar subjects because I'm fascinated with the Amish and the Mennonites. I think they're great. Um, I said, you know, the Bible told us what? Put, do put your trust in no man. Put your trust in God. It's not saying that you can't trust your friend to a degree or trust your mother, father, neighbor, whatever. No, it's it's talking about the type of trust where you will follow them no matter what. We have come to the point in our nation where we trust our doctors because our doctors went to school. We trust our lawyers because our lawyers went to school. Bullshit, cough. I'm sorry. I don't trust my my doctor at all. Sorry. Oh, I piss off doctors. <laughs> oh, yeah, wow. I've never told you about our my daughter and our first visit at the pediatrician, her one-week checkup. I pissed off the pediatrician because I knew more than he did. Yeah, I mean, see, these – I don't want to get too far away from the topic tonight, um, and I just wanted to throw a couple things out there because – you know I want to make people think. I know that you know that. Uh, and in 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 some basic form, I know that you want to do that and make people think and go learn and go research this stuff for themselves. It's hard to get people to do that because they listen to you, they listen to me, they they, they take what we say, um, you, you know, almost verbatim. And that's dangerous because, again, they're buying into a certain kind of rhetoric or propaganda because they don't know it for themselves. And you yep. know, Brian, I've said that, I've said this on my show. Don't take my word for it. I don't want you to take my word for it. I want you to go learn for yourself. I'll point you in this direction. I'll point you in that direction. And, and it, like, it, it, it kind of boils down to here's the book. What can you gain from it that's going to help you be better. It's really well, boiled down to. Well, here's the and other you're talking thing. about avoided judgments. And like I said, I don't want to get too far away from your topic tonight because avoided judgments is very, very important. But go ahead and, and just please inform people. I don't know if you're going to take a well, break, um, but there's new new things up on the board that you might be want to pay attention to. I think I got them in in time that you might be able to play them. Get with James. Well, we got maybe he can like fire something minutes. up. So. We got thirteen minutes. Thirteen minutes, man. Okay. And I know so, you can't cover avoided judgment in thirteen minutes. No, we got thirteen minutes before the <laughs> top of the hour. No, there's a difference. Back. There's a difference, uh, keeper, from what you're saying. You're not saying it right. There is a void judgment or a voidable judgment. There is a distinct difference. Okay, a void judgment is one that has no authority at all. Now, what Keeper was saying is true. It's what I told Melissa. If you listen to my show and you go into court, not you got to be on your A game. Ninety ten percent of going to court is your paperwork. 
you can have the best freaking writing skills for writing legal paperwork all day long. That's only 10%. 90% is holding your court. Being able to get up in front of that man, I never call them judges anymore. I don't never call them your honor, and I won't use an attorney anymore. I've done beat one case already because of that. I call them sir. I give them the proper respect as a man or a woman, but I will not call them a judge because only ju- only God judges me. Okay? I go in there and speak man to man or man to woman. Okay? <clears throat> and I and in that in that Virginia case, I called keeper after I beat it and told him I beat it. When it was over, before he gave his ruling, I looked at him and I said, "Sir, I said I've been just as kind and considerate and cordial as I can be." I said, "Ask the officer." He said, "Is that true?" The officer looked at him and said, "Amazingly, he's been great." And he giggled just like that. And that's when the judge looked up and said, "Can do I even have jurisdiction to dismiss this without payment of cost?" I could have been a smart ass and said, if you have to question that, then you should be questioning whether or not you even have jurisdiction of the case. But I didn't, because then I'd be, you know, you don't want to bite the hand that feeds you. You want to make them mad. That's right. (laughs) But avoid, yeah, avoid judgment actually has no authority at all. A voidable judgment is different. That means the court had the jurisdiction to make the judgment, it, and, but it may have had errors in it, so that's like where you would appeal it. So you appeal it and they reverse the ruling, right? That's, that's, that's what you call a voidable judgment. In other words, they, they voided it, but it, but it still had the authority at the time. A void judgment has no authority whatsoever. That's, that's the difference. Is it, is it akin to um, uh, being shown out of court? I mean, the case is missed um, for whatever grounds or something like that, or is that something else? No, a void judgment is a filing you actually have to do, and you state your case on why it is a void judgment. If you say why the judgment is void, that is totally wrong. That means you're attacking, you're saying it's a voidable judgment. See, I said it earlier, language is important. It is a void judgment. In other words, it is void on its face. Now, James, I think, disappeared, but I asked him he had never heard of Corpus Juris Secundum. Okay. He's probably reading up on it right now. No, I've actually he's got a link to my Dropbox folder. James does. He's got a lot of these same things I've got in there. That's why I say he's probably reading up on it right now, doing his own due diligence, which, you know, we invite everybody to do. Yeah. It's 49 CJS Judgments, Section 588. CJS just means corpus juris secundum. And this is, uh, 
under judgments, alteration of and relief from judgment, judgments by default. That's what you would get if somebody sued you and you never appeared in court to or contested. Then you got a default judgment, and down the road later you say, oh, my God, where did I get a default judgment from? When are, you know, you've heard of the term statute of limitations, right? Well, yeah, let's put, let's put that in in, in um, kind of terms that people might be more more ready to uh, understand. Well, statutes um, of limitations means, say you have a, you go to court and they violate your rights, okay? Depending on the case now, you have, and depending on the jurisdiction, you have one or two years to file in the federal court. Basically, that is a, a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, a short amount of time to either defend yourself or to prosecute a case. Okay, that's statute of limitations. It is a set time limit, um, deemed case by case, where you got to do something or not do something. Okay. Well, when you go into when you go into court, if I'm if I'm understanding this, when you go into court, or if you don't go into court, okay, take for instance. You're filing bankruptcy, and a lot of people have done this, uh, whether it is to consolidate bills or something like that or to completely wipe this, the slate clean. If you go into court and you're filing this, and a representative of uh, Procter & Gamble or Sears or Woolworths or um, – Walmart doesn't show up to state their process or whatever, state whatever it is that you owe them or something like that. What's going to happen is is that that particular event within that case is going to be void. They have no case against you. Nobody showed up to represent the um, defendant party, if you will. On the other hand, if you go to court or if you don't go to court and there is a local jurisdiction case against you and somehow, some way they notified you or said that they notified you in every way, shape, or form that they possibly could, phone call, mail, in person, et cetera, et cetera, and you still don't show up, that's going to be a judgment against you, obviously, and it's going to show up later and you're going to go, where did I find Where, where did this come from? You may or may not have ever heard about it, but there's still a judgment against you. So all of these things, you know, it's interplay. It's all legal jargon that I talk about. And if yes, you go into you, a court situation you, like, like Brian was talking about, and you call the judge sir or ma'am, and you don't address, it, address them as your honor or yes, judge, or something like that, the whole situation becomes something different. And there's there's such a subtle difference. Yeah, well, but and anybody here's the that thing sits about, on a bench understands it. Go ahead. Yeah, but here's something that people that they don't tell you. There is no statute of limitations on a void judgment. It can be 15 years from now when you realize it, and you can still file it. It says according to this timely timeliness, keyword timeliness, which means what? statute of limitations, 
is not a factor in resolving a petition to, to strike a default judgment where the judgment is void. And petitions to strike void judgments are granted regardless of any delay. That's the header. Now, the description says timeliness is not a factor in resolving a petition to strike default judgment where the judgment is void. The petitions to strike void judgments are granted regardless of any delay. A party seeking, seeking relief from a void judgment need not show that its failure to file a timely answer was ex excusable or that it acted promptly or with due diligence in seeking relief for the default judgment. A default judgment may be attacked at any time where it is void. On the ground, the defendant failed to file his or her motion for relief within a reasonable time. The judgment was entered without service of process, process was improperly served, or there was a lack of personal jurisdiction. Statutes Impose, imposing limitations on the time within which an application, application may be made to open or set aside default judgments are inapplicable to a default judgment, which is void, such as where the judgment such as where the judgment is illegal for want of jurisdiction due to the lack of proper summons or notice. Okay, so that is dealing with a default judgment. There's, yeah, there's certain different ways you can deal with it. I mean, uh, there's something that's still hanging over my head. I'm 47 years old. And I let somebody use my name and information to rent a tuxedo for prom. So you can imagine about you know, how many years ago that was. That's today. That is still on my credit filing. At the time, I was not even 18 years old. And yeah, sure, dude. I don't care. Go ahead. That is still on my credit report. And I laugh at it because I wasn't 18, but you know, there is this thing out there, and I can go, you know, defend it and do all that stuff, and it would be nullified because obviously I was not 18 years of age at the time, uh, but it's still held against me. And those are the kinds of things, you know, that's just bankruptcy. That isn't even something else, and there are so many things that you know we don't understand because. That's just the way it goes, because that's all that legal mumbo jumbo and stuff. And you know, I, well, I, you know the reason why I say it's really not legal jargon, and it's really simpler to understand than people realize. And it's because the language has been so dumbed down through the de-education system that. People don't understand plain English half the time anymore. And no, I'm not calling the average person stupid. It's it's more to the fact I think everyone has the capability 
of of learning this stuff. I'm 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 just a regular Joe. I've spent the time learning. If I can do it, the uh, people that have more time than I do can. Yeah, I don't doubt that. Uh, you know, it, 15 minutes, if you can, I mean, if you could read for 15 minutes about whatever, it, I mean, if if you knit, okay, if you just, you know, if you like to do quilts or sew and you want to, you know, you want to learn a little bit more, you spend 15 minutes, 30 minutes reading about this stuff. Go pick an article. It's all there, you know, in, in you know the internet land and things like that. You can go to your local library and check out a book for free if you have an ID card. Oh, easy, boom, done. If you don't have well, internet at home, you can go to your local library and log in for free for like maybe an hour, forty-five minutes, something like that. Every day, you can learn stuff. There's ways to learn things, and, and nobody is pointed in these directions because our schools, like you said, it's the deprogramming, de-education, um, or or programming in a different way. It's it just it, all of these things tie into play. The things that we learn today, the things that we think we learn and may know about, you know, and it, we've got to dig this up. Law, the see, the thing about law, it doesn't change unless somebody nice writes some new law or. No, no, I'm going to stop you. Thank you. I'm going to stop you. Because you just said something that's erroneous. That's an error. Okay. I'm wrong. I can admit when I'm wrong. Yes. A lot of people can't do that. You and just it's, said. It's out of not knowing. Go ahead. Well, hold, yeah, it's because it's, it's you don't realize it. You just said, unless someone writes a new law. No. Those are statutes and codes. Those are not law. There's a difference. When you, I mean, I know you where you live. You look up your state codes or statutes, whatever they call them in your state. Those are not law. They're statutes or codes. You've been they're trained they're to think by. of them as law. Okay, they're written by the legislature. See, we were taught early on. You remember Schoolhouse Rock and how is law made and the little cartoon of the bill sitting on the steps talking to the cartoon kid and talking about how the Yes, I am the bill. I am sitting on Capitol Hill. That's right. So we were taught at an early age trained to think a certain way that the bill goes before Congress, and Congress votes on it, and it passes, and it goes before the president, and the president signs it, and that makes it law. No, it don't. That makes it U.S. The code. steps are that unbelievable don't. for that. They're, they're unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, well, it's it's that makes it a U.S. code, a U.S. rule, or a U.S. regulation. That does not make it law. You've, now, now, I know this, you've heard me say it before, the difference between legal and lawful. Hitler did yeah, that I which was that. legal. Yeah, Hitler did that which was legal. He just didn't do that which was lawful. See, law is different. Or even moral. Or even moral. <laughs> That's what I mean by lawful. Lawful follows <laughs> a certain moral code. 
It is natural. Legal is what man passes. And what man passes may not be lawful. Because lawful is going to do what? Protect your rights. Because those rights are natural. Everyone has them. And you're not to trample on them. But see, the government and the powers that be, they know you don't know them. So guess what? They do whatever they want because you willingly are a slave. And you believe in the propaganda spewed at you by media that doesn't want you to learn. They want, listen to us. We're number one in such and such and such. I uh, take my word for it. I am 99.8% uh, accurate every single time. Uh, <laughs> you want to get your news here. No, you don't. You want to learn for yourself. Now, here, here's a second <laughs> one. Here's a second one in Corpus Juris Secundum. James, are you there? I am here. Oh, you're back. Woohoo! I sent you a document, by the way. I left. I just didn't want to interrupt you guys. Which, so, uh, Brian, can we take a break late and get back yeah, let's, and, and regroup just a little bit? Yeah, let's take a let's take a commercial break since James is back. Sorta. Of. Sorta. Of, yeah. Did did was the message sent on, gentlemen? James, I need to get your phone number so I can you know message you information. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Reach Out America Radio Network. This is WINN. Brian Robertson. Uh, my name is Keeper. I've just jumped on here late into the program. And if you really, if you really don't understand what we're talking about, don't worry about that. You're going to get informed. You're going to get information. We're going to tell you where to go to get more information. We don't want you to take our word for it. That's something that isn't about what we do. We're not here to tell you what to think, what to believe. We're here to get you informed and teach you where you can go to get the information that we're talking about. Um, and when, when we get back good. from a commercial break, make sure all of you have a notepad and pencil. I am going to tell you exactly what to write on this next one. Take it to your local library, hand it to them, and say, I want this. You'll read it word for word for yourself what I'm getting ready to say. And we will be back in, in a minute. Any more if we can make a little bit right after this. We believe in the All right, fella. Can you hear me? Woo-hoo. Yeah, I got you. You all can hear me? Yep. Yes, from Pete. Okay. We're in the screen room. Um uh, it's a two-minute-and-51-second commercial. I do want to warn everybody here that we are in the overtime hour now. You do what now? Is this, what, we are in program? the overtime hour now. Uh, okay, what time, when, when did this program start? Uh, it started itself, actually. At what time? Uh, it was, um, I don't know. What is what do you think, about an hour and a half ago, Brian? Yeah, he sent me a text at about 6.30 and said, hey, call in. Because he, when he set it up, he, he said he set it up for 7. 
And then he said, well, let me go see if I can fix it because he tries to do it between six and eight. And but I don't know if he accidentally kicked it live or what. Okay. All right, set your programs up at least two days in advance. Uh, that way everybody knows what time it actually starts. We can talk about more, just about, you know, more about this, you know, after the show. The song's not, not that long, but Amazing America is a great choice, James. Way to go. Um, awesome. When we come back, drop the phone yeah. number, drop the calling, you know, let them know they got a press number one to get on the program if anybody's listening. Um and we'll just go from there. You just rock your thing with the pencil and paper, make sure that everybody's got it. But the phone number, well, make sure that Matt is rising. Uh, 45 seconds? Yeah, well, you've got, yeah. Uh, no, live time, you still have uh, 53 minutes. Okay, so then we're good. Hour. Okay, that's what I, yeah, so we're looking at hour, good. Matt, now, Be also, sure did you ever get my? Yeah. Okay, did you ever get my audios up, uploaded and li- listen to them? And you can name them how you want to. Uh, no, I have not. I don't think. Uh, or, did you send them to me in Dropbox? Uh, yeah, I think I sent you a link to that. Yeah. Six seconds, fellas. Okay. We're back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Reach Out America Radio. WINN at the same time. I'm going to go ahead and let Brian take things over. We'll be at, and keep listening. Dynamite show, I can't say enough. Brian, go ahead, man. Yeah, this is the rights of the few presented by Reach Out America. And the call in number, if you would like to call in, is 516. 516- Four five three nine one two eight, and I've got to get back in the swing of things on remembering to do that. <laughs> it's been a while since I've been back on since I've been back on the radio, but no, this is a show where we discuss rights because I have the philosophy: the rights of the few are the same as the many. And I would like to plug MadisonRising.com. They actually are on iTunes, by the way, Keeper. I saw that the other day. Yeah, they're on iTunes. They are on, uh, uh, I think they're on iHeartRadio. Um, but you can check them more out. <laughs> they got they're all, their, all their tunes are up there. You can go to madisonrising.com, check out the equipment, check out the tunes. They got some new sounds coming out. They've got a different lead singer, and I think that people are still going to be listening to this band for quite some time. But check out MadisonRising.com. Um, the song that you heard uh, was with Dave Bray when he was their lead singer, um, but you can still check it out. That's off of American Hero Red. It's a remastered, re-released uh, track. Or excuse me, the whole the whole CD was remastered and re-released under American Hero Red. If you have one of those original ones. Um, put that in the shelf or in your safe and forget about it because you're not going to hear a whole bunch from that particular set uh, for the coming uh, future. But MadisonRising.com, check them out. You can also listen to more from the lead singer, which is Dave Bray, at DaveBrayUSA.com. You have a lot of good stuff out there. 
new music that you're going to love. He's been on, I don't know how many different television programs. He was actually able to meet I think Donald Trump, if I'm not mistaken. There's, there's a picture out there at Daybreak USA. You can look him up on Facebook. We've just yeah. been able to get some, some music out here, and uh, it, it's really awesome to be able to share this stuff. So give it a listen. Pay attention to what these guys have to say. I'm going to step out and let Brian take over. I got some things I got to take care of. So, Brian, thank you for letting me chime in, man. I appreciate it. Oh, you know you come anytime you want. Well, now that you're running two shows a week, <laughs> hey, now that you're running two shows a week, I don't know if I'll be able to make both shows, but I'll try to drop in, especially if you send me a text and say, hey, I need you. Well, the information is going to be getting put out there. It's going to be going out to WINN on Facebook and their Twitter page. It's going to be going out on Keeper's Mindful, the Facebook page, and Twitter feed, which is at Mindful. I hope you look it up. I can't find it. Um, when I go look it up on my personal account, for whatever reason, but if you can find it, it is at Mindful. It is Keeper's Mindful. It's every Tuesday and Wednesday night. One time, Tuesday, right here on WINN, Reach Out America Radio, and then on Wednesdays, you can look it up at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Keeper's Mindful. Love to hear from you guys and, and hear what you have to say. Um, you know, you guys are bringing some some really serious truth and ways that people can fight back uh, against the legal system. So I love what you guys do. I, I am so uh, encouraged to be a part of it. And um, thanks to you, thanks to myself. Uh, let me keep my own tune, my own horn here a little bit. Um, I think that Reach Out America Radio is going to be around for a long, long time. I think so, too. So, now, let's get back on subject of the void judgments. We were just talking about no statute of limitations, and I know most people have heard of statute of limitations. If you've watched any major court news over the past 30 years, they've mentioned it before. In other words, somebody committed a crime but it was 20 years ago, no, it was 25 years ago, and they had 20 years to prosecute them, so guess what? There was a statute of limitations, so they can't be prosecuted. Well, the interesting thing about the term common law, and everybody that says, oh, the common law doesn't exist, go read the Seventh Amendment. The Seventh Amendment plainly says, suits at common law. So you've been led to believe, belief is a powerful thing, that it doesn't exist. Now, get your notebook and pencil. And if you got the time, go to your local law school or college and see if they have Westlaw. And say you need to look something up. Or if it's a big law library that has the books, tell them you're trying to find uh, section uh, 49, write this down, 49CJS, which stands for Corpus Juris Secundum, CJS Judgments, section 431. And James, I did send you a message with the link to that document. This is yeah. opening yeah. and, Thanks. yeah, this is opening and vacating proceedings and relief, time for application, a void judgment 
at least if void on its face, generally may be attacked at any time. Okay? A judgment that is void as opposed to voidable. That's what I explained earlier, the difference between a void judgment and a judgment that is simply void, there's a difference. A judgment that is simply void, say you had a court case, you lost the court case, you want to appeal it. So you go to the appeals court. The appeals court, there's a 10, 15-minute argument from all the attorneys. The court, the appeals court rules, they read all the case file, they look at everything, They and it's a judgment that is voidable if they overturn it. Okay? If they don't overturn it, then guess what? It wasn't voidable. But a void judgment is different. Okay? That now, a judgment that is void as opposed to voidable may be, may be attacked at any time, irrespective of the principle of waiver. While there is authority that it might be brought within a reasonable time, it also has been held that such a motion is not governed by the requirement that a motion for relief from judgment be filed within a reasonable time. Delay does not bar a motion to set aside such a judgment unless it has been so great that the rights of innocent persons may be prejudicially affected. Okay. Now I scroll down the, to the last paragraph. It says, the principle that void judgments may be vacated at any time includes judgments vacated as void for want of jurisdiction. That's important. Lack of notice of the suit or defective service of process based on a complaint that does not state a cognizable cause of action or because the judgment resulted in the denial of a constitutional right or was entered as the result of a clerical mistake or inadvertence while the court's power to act is controlled by statute, any action taken by the court that exceeds its statutory jurisdiction is void. If the court's jurisdiction was not there. See, see they've got the American people believing that the court in their prospective counties, just because it's there, has jurisdiction. No! A court does not have jurisdiction on its own. That's why you're not hauled into court every single day. Oh, we want to have a case today against you. James, I think we're going to go to court today. I'm the judge. Okay, what's, oh, what's yeah. for, James? <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know if I like going to court every day. But see, most people think because the court is there and the government is there that it has jurisdictions to govern your affairs. Right. Just right. because it exists. That does not give it jurisdiction. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I don't believe that that should be the way it's done either. Well, you know why they get away with doing it that well, way? They get away with other, it other they than know the people don't know. Right, de-education. That's exactly where I was going. 
what are the requirements for a court to have jurisdiction? Compliance and authority. No. Anywhere in the ballpark? No. (laughs) Now, you're sitting at a table, right? Yes. Okay, you're now so you have this mental image. That table has four legs. If any part of those if any one of those legs are not there, you don't have a table no more. Your stuff is laying on the ground. That means what? It's not doing its job, right? That table top is the court. For that court to have jurisdiction, it has to have four legs. It has to have one Two opposing parties, because you can't hold court if only one of you is there. Who's the other person? So you have to have two opposing parties. You have to have subject matter. You have to have a verified complaint or claim. Verified is important. That word is important. In other words, a verified complaint or claim. That means that someone did a sworn affidavit that they are telling the truth. And then you have to have that ver- that verified witness. In other words, that person bringing the complaint or claim. That's what hey, we're supposed to be able to face our accusers. If any one of those are missing, the court does not have jurisdiction. See, family court gets away with this because guess what? It's one of the few courts out there that someone can make an anonymous call. They know the average person out there is is ignorant. So they go to court, they get their kids snatched when the whole judgment, it was a void judgment to begin with. Where did they have subject matter jurisdiction? They have subject matter over children, but subject matter on its own they don't have. They got to have a verified complaint. Who saw the abuse? Who witnessed the abuse or the neglect? But how many times do they get away with, oh, it was an anonymous phone call? Oh, yeah. I'm a firm believer in that, too. I have the right to face my accuser. That's right. Corpus Juris And it's sickening the way they do it. Yes, it is. Section, let's see, 50 CJS Judgments, Section 950. When I I tell you any part, you hear me say something, something, something like, like that, if it's American jurisprudence or corpus juris economum, I'm going to give you the volume that it's in, 50, CJS, judgments, that means that's the section, it's, that's the title of the section it's under, and then the section 950, okay? This is res judicata, claim preclusion, merger and bar of causes of action and defenses, judgments operative as bar, 
validity of judgments, and it's void judgments. A void judgment such as one rendered by a court not having jurisdiction of the parties or the subject matter does not merge the cause of action or operate as a bar to further litigation. A void judgment neither binds nor bars anyone. Thus, a judgment does not merge the cause of action and the constitutes no bar to further litigation on the same cause of action where the judgment is void. It follows that a judgment is not res judicata where the court rendering it acted beyond its authority or without jurisdiction of the parties or the subject matter. How do they get jurisdiction of the subject matter? I just told everybody, verified complaint with a witness. Right. So, so basic. That's right. so. That, that means if the judge made a ruling against you and he did not have jurisdiction to do it, the judgment's void. And the biggest one they talk about, because if you go down through, it says default judgments in a judicial foreclosure proceedings were void due to insufficient service, and therefore res judicata did not preclude debtors' motions to set aside default judgments. That's Mountain West Bank N.A. versus Glacier Kitchens Incorporated, 2012. That's just one case. When you go under the footnotes, there's plenty more. Judgments against well, non-residents. Okay, you got a question? I do, I do. And I think it's a question that, that probably is resonating with the listeners. Okay, this applies to a case that has happened to me personally, and I'm being, I'm being hypothetical here. Um, now that I know... How do I apply this, and how do I get the judgment that's against me removed on the grounds of it was a voided judgment elsewhere? Um, I mean, do I appeal on these grounds? Do I have to get an attorney? Uh, I mean, you, you see what I'm saying? you got a lot of learning to do. And when I say you got a lot of learning to do, that doesn't mean – it's a bad thing. That doesn't mean, oh, my God, it's going to take me 15,000 years. No, six months, eight months, a year. I've already told you there's no statute of limitations on a void judgment. So that means what? It's not going to be that bad. So now, It's called a collateral attack. Now, a direct attack of a court proceeding, okay? A direct attack is when you file a motion in the court to say dismiss, okay? Say you're going to dismiss, you're, you're filing a motion to dismiss 
the complaint against you for lack of subject matter jurisdiction. Okay. That is a direct attack because you filed it in the same court in front of the same judge. Okay. A collateral attack is when you file it in a different court or the same court, but in front of a different judge. And see, that's where you have to do the homework and find out because void judgments, they do not make it easy to find it. I will be honest, okay? They do not make it easy to find it. I, I've been looking, I was looking in New York to see about to see about that. And New York, you can't find anything on void judgment. But void judgment is a due process thing, okay? Now, I'm trying to find it here because there was a section on, let's see, publication type. Publication type, select the publication name. Let's do this Amer American jurisprudence. Okay, now, so what you would do from what, so far what I've gathered, okay, is you would, you're filing your brief in a totally different court in front of a different judge. Sometimes it is in front, I mean, it has, sometimes it has to be in the same jurisdiction as the other as the other jurisdiction, I'm not totally convinced that is exactly where it always has to be. Because if the court did not have jurisdiction, why should you have to go back into that jurisdiction? You see what I'm saying? Okay, did you drop? I am here, brother. I'm sorry. My children ran in here, and I wasn't able to speak. I had to mute myself. Okay, you're fine. I got kids. I got a six-year-old. I understand. Um, so... I mean, that question is a difficult one because it really does depend on where you're at. And that I can't answer for everyone. And I think it also depends on your argument, on what you're going to – I think it depends on the legal strategy of what you're doing. You see what I'm saying? Absolutely. Well, I knew it was a hard process. I'll set up against you. No, I, I, 
I don't think it's a hard, I don't really think it's that, that hard of a process. The hardest part is doing the research and getting um, of getting your filing right. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Because judges, you got to, for a lack of better terms, you gotta have you gotta back the judge into a corner. The judges they do not have absolute immunity. They do not. They can be they can be prosecuted. That's the problem. I found out what the problem is, why it wasn't done right. I, my my internet got reset. I was trying. I done the search, and it would search, and it would find, but it wouldn't load properly. Um. When I say back the judge into a corner, see, he does not have absolute immunity. He has what's called judicial immunity. If the court did not have jurisdiction of the case, guess what? You can sue the judge. Speaking of which, I will give you a little teaser. There's a case against three judges that I'm actually going to be following that I got a copy of the case. They're suing these judges for putting children at risk putting children in danger. And I got a copy of it. I think it's an 11-page brief. Wow. Now, yeah. And I've kind of been working with this guy. This guy that's writing it, he's been studying... He's still stuck on statutes and codes and all that being law. He, because he started this, his he started his learning long before I did. And sometimes when people get to a certain point in their learning process, it's really difficult to get them to change what they know. They mm-hmm. believed it for so long. Now that everything should start working right, now I can pull up this page. Updating results. Finally, it's working. Yeah, that was hey. I tell you, I did find a part in uh, Westlaw that I'm fascinated with that I'm going to be digging into. It's called Restatement of Law. 
and it's actually very, very simple. And if you ever Thank get you for using to, Blog Talk Radio. Goodbye.